Welcome to The Q, a new podcast series hosted by me, James Dash Patterson. Now that the finals are set for Detroit, I've sat down with Cloud9's Fen Scarin. But first, Team Liquid Doublelift is here to talk about their historic run. Doublelift, thank you for joining me. Glad to be here. All right, so you're on the verge of doing what no other team has done in the LCS, looking for the fourth consecutive title in LCS history. And we're going to dive into that matchup, what it would mean for the org, in a bit. Before we get there, I want to start with something perhaps a little abstract. Uh, I want to work through a concept and an idea, that concept being the best. What does it mean to be the best in anything? So first, let's just start there. In, in no uncertain terms, um, abstractly, what does it mean to you to be the best at something? Uh, I think just that no one is above you, I'd say. Like, no one has a higher status than you at, at something. And, yeah, like, I think this concept of being the best is something that, like, I probably subconsciously think about a lot, which is, like, sort of, like, my day-to-day, -day, like, what makes me so happy to work, like, what, what makes me so happy to, like, be a pro player. Mm -hmm. um, I love the idea that I'm chasing being the best that right. like I like that's my end goal and I think it's it's very rewarding like when at least domestically I think I have no equals okay and that feels really really good I was that's where I was gonna go I was gonna ask you because I do believe it, it it's a belief held by many that you are the best uh perhaps a debate that was settled to some degree in spring with your win over TSM Doublelift is the best North American player of all time and do you agree with that statement yeah like i think not not just my results like i just feel like personally like my stock like my my value to a team uh like just alternate alternate timeline right like if i was still on tsm would they have lost a clutch no like hell no like you just you'd be crazy to think that so like mm -hmm. i think i think my value as a player is like it's really high and it's not just my individual play like a like a robot that just plays league of legends i think it's like a lot of things right. about me that make me a really important player for a lot of teams and uh i i you know like i work on that but i don't in the end like when i practice it's really just about being the best like i don't i'm not like oh, i'm gonna improve my my last hitting i'm gonna improve my communication like i just think of I try to draw inspiration from like other regions and stuff i try mm. to i try to draw inspiration from myself like oh what could i improve but like it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to have this high status, and it makes me more motivated a lot of time. So then let's talk about what it takes to become the best, right? Because uh, you didn't just wake up. You have a lot of natural abilities. There is innate talent, I think, uh, when you talk about anyone being the best in the world at something, right? Yep. Um, but sacrifice has to be made. This wasn't, this wasn't a one-day journey. Um, so, so walk me through, you know, from, from day one League of Legends double lift to title of being the best in North America. How, like, what was that journey like? What did you give up? What did you invest to get to that point? I mean, like when I started, I joined a team of legends that were like so much better than me that it was like, I, the idea that I could ever become the best was like laughable, you know? But like, that's what I really wanted. Like, I really wanted to be them at some point. I would really want to be Hotshot yeah. and Big Fat GG and Chowster and like these guys, there's something about them that made them so like, just incredible. Like Hotshot, it was sort of like his creativity and like he revolutionized the way people thought about like split pushing. And he had those two champions that you can never give him. And Chowster was like his great mind and Big Fat was like, 
he was Faker at the time. He could play at every champion. Mm-hmm. He could do, he could do anything. He could play any role, any champion. Like, and he could do it pr- like at a professional level. And like these things, I was like, what's gonna be my thing? Like, what? How am I gonna be even like stand in the same like area as these guys? Like in the same room? Like I feel like I'm not worthy. So it, it started off like pretty bad. Like I was I was a really bad player, and people people definitely saw like, oh, this guy limited champion pool, mm-hmm. terrible brain. Like, you know, doesn't have a good mind for the game. Probably doesn't communicate well. Like he's just gets microed by Chouster. And then it, uh, that's how it all started. Like I had good mechanics. I think I did have good talent for the game and yeah. I, I, I played a lot. Like I, I grinded a lot and then slowly, slowly, slowly people recognized me as like a potentially good player and then finally a good player. Did you recognize your own ability at that age or was it something that other people had to point out to you in a sense? I think I recognized it myself when we started doing reviews and I would notice things about my teammates like Hotshot and Big Fat GG and Chowster. Like I would notice mistakes that they made that I wouldn't make. Mm. And then I was like, whoa, I'm better than them in some ways. Right. In some ways. Like, in, but in, overall, they're way better than me. I'm, but I'm still like, I'm improving. Cause before I couldn't even see where I was, like, where I stood with mm-hmm. them. There was, they were just so overwhelmingly better than me. And, uh, I think it, yeah, it always does come from yourself. Cause like, one of the, one of the quotes that, uh, really like resonated with me early on was like, if you believe them w- when they tell you you're great, you have to believe them when they tell you you suck. Yeah. And like, I hated that, you know, I really never wanted my own confidence to come from how hard the community, like, you know, is hyping me up or like trying to tear me down. Right. And, uh, in the end I did like an okay job, you know, so, so in the end, like I think every pro player in the world, their confidence is hurt when everyone is bashing them. Yep. Like it doesn't matter how much you try not to let it affect you. You just, it just happens. But like for me, I think cause there's been so many ups and downs, that's been, yeah, that's been less important. Mostly it's just about my own, like, mental state. Right. Um, but this concept of uh, of it needing to come from self, but that uh, acknowledgement of greatness in a lot of ways does come externally, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's one to say, hey, I am the best player in North yeah. America. But if nobody else is saying that about you, yeah. then it's not true. You're just a sense? clown. You're right? just a clown <laughs> if you're saying it and no one else believes it. Yeah. And so... So what an emotional toll that can take then that this idea of like throughout your career, you've had the highs and the lows. It was not, as you mentioned, day one, Doublelift is the best. It was striving to become the best. There were moments, there were peak moments for you in your career on CLG, on TSM, but then there were also dips. And so why do you keep going for it you have the most titles in north america what is the motivation still i think i've never been recognized as the best in the world and i Ah. think i i think i'm like one really small step from being there okay like only you know not even like not even like a hundred people have will ever have even like the opportunity because like even if you think of like every team that goes to Worlds, there's like 16 teams or 24 teams, whatever. There's like 80 or 120 people, right? Like yeah. only a few of those teams realistically have a chance of of winning, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if it's if you're like the third seed from Taiwan or something like that, or like, you know, you're, you're like from one of the small regions, you have realistically no chance of winning. And for the longest time, like NA had no chance. So I would just come in, I'd be really hopeful, like, please let me win. Anyways, like nowadays, I think there is a realistic chance. Mm-hmm. And like, and like, it's right there. Like, why wouldn't I try my best when I'm 50 years old? the chance that I'm the best at anything in the world is really slim, right? Like right now and like in my 20s, it's just 
it's such a crazy opportunity and and I'm like so grateful that I'm I have it so I'm just going to do my best with right. it. Yeah, well at least at the age of 50 the framing of what you can be the best at, right, changes. That's All true, that that's can true. shift. Um uh but I this idea of going to, you know, being the best domestically but not the best internationally. That's another uh, part of this kind of this abstract concept that I want to explore because one, it's not a situation that most people uh, are ever lucky enough to experience. Uh, I'm sure it's not fun to yeah. move to a stage and now not, you know, to to have that massive shift in perspective. Yeah. Um, but isn't that in, isn't that kind of cool? How the lens, the scope by which we look at the concept of being the best, changes your actual status of being the best. <laughs> yeah, like I was always under the impression of like there's always going to be someone better out there. Yeah. Like there's always always going to be someone better out there and don't like don't get too confident, you know, just cuz you're just cuz you're like a hometown hero doesn't mean anything. And right. I I you know, in a, in like some ways I got like really affected because People are talking about me like, oh, he's so amazing. You know, I'm making like top 20 at Worlds like every single year that I'm going to Worlds. And it's like, dude, I can't wait for you to do me proud. And I'm like, oh my God, like you have no idea. Like I, I know exactly how much better these players are than our players. Mm -hmm. And it's it's scary, you know. It'd be like if you're like the best, you're the best basketball player, but like you're in a tiny little town in Nebraska. And then you finally go to like the bigger leagues. You like play like the state championship or like the like country right. championship. And you're like, whoa. I'm actually awful. Like this, it's yeah. not fair. Like this is, and yet in the microcosm of your community, people's perception of you is still that you're great. Yeah. Right. And so their expectation is that you will perform to the degree that they know you domestically, even when you're on the international stage. And I think that that's a pressure that very few people, again, ever have the opportunity to experience what you, yeah. what you've experienced. And I think it's, in, I think it's made all that much more interesting by the fact that you said this feels like we're moving into the era or at least in the recent years has uh, has been the time where it feels like NA could accomplish it. Like we could make that statement on the world stage. Yeah. But how does it make you feel that then everyone in North America is looking at you? I mean, Team Liquid, yes, as a whole, but also Doublelift specifically, individually, <laughs> to be the guy to get it done. It's up to you to prove that North America, that Team Liquid and Doublelift is the best. I kind of like when all the pressure's on me, and and it, it feels, it actually feels really good for me when, because, I mean, this sounds like I'm really ego flexing, but it, it's cool to be famous. It's cool to be important. It's cool that like things that I do matter yeah. to people. You know, like like I could make someone's day. I could make like a huge double fans week if like I if I did something really cool, like winning worlds or even making it to the finals or something like that. Like that could be like. Just like a huge moment in history for that all you of share us. with so many people. Yeah, 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 and and I really love that. But at the same time, I struggled with it a lot. Like I remember, I would go to international tournaments, and it's like, why am I sweating so much? You know, mm -hmm. why am I so nervous? Why, like, when I go on stage, why, why is my voice cracking? Like, why am I playing so bad? I'm playing so weird. Like, I'm missing creeps. I, I, I don't know how to trade anymore. Like, Uzi's just making me hug my turret. I, it just feels wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I had to, I had to like really reflect a lot. Like, am I a choker? Like. Does choking, does like crumbling under the pressure, does that like define me? Does that like, is that something I'm going to just be stuck with forever? Like just labeled, I'm a choker. I'm an international choker, you right. know? Do you um, think that that's the case? Are you just an international No, I, I, like, okay. I definitely, I definitely realized like, no, that's just something I did. I did a bad thing. I, 
I yeah, choked. you have choked. I have choked. I'm not, not a, choker. a choker. Yeah, like I'm I'm not I'm not gonna be like that forever. So I, I really worked on it. And like part of the reason why I took that break in season seven was like I just came off of two really bad worlds performances personally. And I, I didn't feel like I had I didn't put in the work. I put in the work. I did everything right. I did I did everything right. And then I went on stage and I didn't carry. And I was mm -hmm. like, what am I doing wrong? Like, is there just something wrong with me? Is there like, is, am I just wasting my time? Like same thing next year. And like, I took a step back and I was like, no, I think you just have to work through it. Like, like tons of people, like tons of businessmen, tons of just everything. It just takes time. You have to like, like I, I knew there would be a problem with me at some point. Like maybe people would think like, oh, the problem with Doublelift is he's too toxic. Or he's like, maybe he's like too one-dimensional. I, I don't believe any of that stuff. Like right. I think, I think I was just like a, I was like a really good player in a lot of ways. And I finally had my first real problem, which was I would go to Worlds and play like shit. And um, it was my first like reality check in a while. It was my first like huge obstacle in a while. And mm -hmm. I was like thinking about giving up kind of. And then I was like, wait a sec, that's that's not the play. That's yeah. not the move. Well, and at the end of the day, I don't think anyone achieves anything great without coming up against resistance or obstacles, right? Yeah. Um, because in a lot of ways, those, those moments of failure, um, they define us um, from the perspective of uh, they're defining moments and how we react, how we choose to react to those moments and, and to move forward, right? And yeah. so I want to explore this period of time where, hey, double, you know, Doublelift has now made the, okay, the realization that I'm, I choked at Worlds. My first big, first massive failure on a stage where the expectation was there and people care. And, and what did this time away from the game really allow you to do how did you come back different what was different when you made the return to the scene than when you left i think first off i i didn't know if i could like love my job anymore when it felt like i put everything into it you know i put i put so much time and sacrifice and stuff and like this is this is my life like this is everything to me and in the end the results the like the end of the year feeling is just I'm pretty depressed. Like, mm. I'm really, really disappointed in myself. I, I can't, I just like, I can't even like look at myself in the mirror. I'm just like, oh my God. Like, it just, it couldn't have been worse. If it was, if I was playing amazing and my team sort of like flunked out of worlds, it would be different. But it was kind of like, I was a part of the problem and I hate being a part of the problem. Mm -hmm. I hate being, I hate contributing to like some sort of negative result for my teammates who also put in the work. And, um, uh, yeah, I didn't know if I if I like still loved it, if I still like had the passion for it, the drive to do it again. And then like the first time I saw LCS, you know, I was I was like kind of streaming for a while, and then like LCS came on, and I was like, I need to be there. Like yeah. I can't I can't be apart from this. Like this is my calling. Like I I have to be there. I'm a pro player. Like at the end of the day, and I'm I'm not an entertainer. You right. know, like I mean, maybe people find me. Well, you're entertaining. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> maybe, much. but like I I wasn't meant to be an entertainer. Like I was meant to be a competitor. Mm. So. That's when I really knew, like, yeah, for sure. I need to come back. And, I, like, I need to stop being such a little baby about this stuff. Like, I need to, first, first thing I realized, I need to accept, like, I played bad. I played worse than normal. Whatever word you want to use to define that, choking, mm -hmm. like, anxiety, something like that. Like, it happened to me. Mm -hmm. And the second thing I was like, okay, well, how do I make sure it never happens again? So that, that, was, that took a while, you know, for me to figure out. But, like, in Season 8, I think when I went to MSI, it was a roster with Ole and Poe Belter. Yep. I feel like I was playing differently. It was just different. Like it was a different me, and and then that sort of like positive, uh, like 
I, I use that kind of stuff as motivation. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it gets to my head in a way that like helps me play better the next time. I wholeheartedly agree. Having been there and watching you play, that just anecdotally, it was a different international double lift. Um, but the success didn't follow. Yeah, so, that's true. So, so, so how do you grapple with that? This idea that you feel you've made positive changes, that after failure one, I have, you know, I've buckled down, I've understood uh, what, what I'm missing and my drive to compete, and I've, uh, I've taken strides to actually improve the way I approach international play. Now I step up and do that on the international stage, and boom, we don't get it. Like, what, what was that week, day like? I think it was definitely a lot less disappointing than when I was a part of the problem. Okay. And then I can focus a lot on like trying to cheer my teammates up. And like, I remember we had a, I remember we had like this really, we, we, we lost a tiebreaker against yeah. Fnatic. We, we, we basically got out of groups and we were on the bus ride back to the hotel. And it was, you know, all of us, Poe Belter, um, Jake, Ole, me, and who's the last person who am I missing? Impact. Impact. Like we're just talking and you know, like the, the atmosphere is actually really positive. I'm like, guys, like we're really close. Like, I think we can do it next time. Like we just, you know, there's like, there's like some problems, but like we can fix it. And I remember like the difference of that, that version of me and like the version of me where I felt like I just played terrible. I had like a totally different mindset. It's like, oh, like just, just like some changes, like some, some, some small things. Next time we'll make it out of groups. Maybe the time after that we can make it further. It was a lot more positive. So it didn't feel nearly as bad, and uh, maybe I just like I take failure a lot harder than other people, mm -hmm. which is like a double-edged sword. You know, it could it could be positive for right. me in the long. It has been pretty really positive for me in the long run, but like in extremes, it can be kind of bad. So let's talk about then that year because you, if we fast forward exactly one year from from season eight MSI to season nine 2019 MSI, boom, finals appearance. Uh, with you know, with some roster changes, yes, um, but largely we go from a flame out, and again domestically there was a lot of ups, there were a lot of upset fans um, around that. Um, but then you you come back and you show up to everything that you just talked about, the idea that we can do it next year. What you said to your teammates, you made a reality. Um, but did you feel like your role on the team changed? Because you kind of quoted or you kind of stated that, like, I wasn't necessarily a part of the problem in that tournament specifically. Um, so did you feel like now you're responsible for your team, your team, the other individual's growth as well to ultimately get you guys to where you are now? You know, I think on a team, there will always be at any given day, there will always be a best performing and a worst performing player. You just have to accept mm. that. Like, there's, there, there will never be, everyone pulls their equal weight on this game. You know, we did it through teamwork, guys. Right. It wasn't anybody. And somebody's it getting carried. Anybody's. Yeah, like, somebody's <laughs> getting carried in the end. Like, not pulling their full weight. And someone's paying, pulling, like, massively over. Uh-huh. That's just what's realistic. And I think, like, in, in the difference... Like, in 2018 MSI, I think I was massively pulling way more than my, like, normal, like 20% of a like of a team yeah and then in 2019 msi like this last one i was like i was just in the middle you know i was, I was just doing all right like some games a little bit less some games a little bit more but like i think i was just like an adequate player and uh a lot of things lined up for us that 
we'd been working on through the whole year. Like, I think you, you always want to put in the work like way before the tests, right? Like you always want to study really hard before the, like the big, the big final. And like, we were the team where like, we especially learned from 2018. You can't just like procrastinate until the last moment and then try to completely 180 your team. Right. It's not going to work. What you have to do is set up these like systems, like set up the, the habits that will make your team great when you face great opponents. Because okay. like you know they're they're waiting for you. If you if you have like high ambitions, the the great opponents are coming. It's just a matter of time. So you need to prepare right now before it's too late. And um, a lot of the stuff that we worked on early on this year really helped us at MSI like kind of like tackle those problems because mm -hmm. we became like more flexible of a team. We didn't we weren't so one dimensional. Only play around bot lane. Like we play around Jensen now. Oh, Jensen can play assassins now. Like right. how does it like change impact and play carries now? It's really it's really different. Like our team is a lot more dynamic. So. Um, I don't know. Like I think our teamwork improved a lot from last year to this one, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of like our the focus of our practice changed a lot. Like if you're a bottom tier team like Golden Guardians, you just want to win that week of LCS. Like for us, we're not focused on that that this week of LCS or right. the next one or the next one. We're right. focused on like what's going to happen in a few months, playoffs, Worlds, MSI, those sorts of things. It's very interesting. I mean, you got to win to get there, but like you said, like the expectation is that those wins will happen. Yeah. So the focus needs to be here where we're aiming to go. Uh, in in kind of keeping with the theme of the best, but now more on the team perspective. Um, after this uh this past MSI and this split, is this the best version of Team Liquid that's ever existed? I think so. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, we had a pretty unconvincing set against Clutch, but, like, I'm really confident in our team right now. Like, it just feels like any lane can pop off. Like, mm -hmm. we have crazy lane dominance in practice and just in general. But then not only that, like, we learned so much from MSI in terms of, like, how to speed up the game, like, how to snowball the game fast. But also, like... I feel like the the most talked about team ever right now. The most <laughs> the most like conversational team is G two. Yeah. And like the thing is, G two just does stuff that no other team can do in the world. Doesn't matter. Like they just just only they can do it. So I think to an extent we learn from them, but then we we put our like team like a twist on everything. That's and like we we know we know what where we're strong. You know, like there's certain situations where we know like this is how we beat IG. You know, like we we just have certain positions, certain like plays that we can make that no other team can do as well. Right. Like, that makes us unique. So trying to set those up is a really important part of our game plan, I think. And, like, not getting, not getting like, too lost in, like, oh, that's the best team in the world. Like, fuck it. Like, we have to, we still have to do our stuff. Yeah. Small so small tangent on, on this, uh, you know, best teams in the world for, for, for so long, LCK, 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 SKT, SKT, SKT. The only way to play League of Legends is the way that the Koreans and SKT plays it. And yeah. for so long, we watched every team in every region try and copy, exemplify, or regurgitate the same style that SKT had or whatever leading Korean team was playing onto the Rift. Do you feel like League of Legends as a game, or at least the understanding of it competitively, has evolved to the point where there isn't necessarily a best way there is g2's best way there is team liquid's best way and that there actually can be two top tier like world finals teams competing against each other playing entirely different styles yeah and i think that's that's so awesome like i think maybe like i'm, I'm gonna be honest i don't think riot intended for that to happen <laughs> i think it just it just happened naturally but finally like we're at, i think we're at this really cool point where there's so many options in the game available. You could go for turret plates, which gives you gold. You could go for drag, which gives you like sort of like longevity through the Utility game. Or longevity. Yeah, like you can you can play for like 
like XP leads, like jungle jungle camps. Like there's just there's just so many options, and each of them has a pro and a con, and a, like a level of risk attached to it. You could go for a tower dive, which is like probably the best way to snowball a game. Make a guy lose like three waves. Mm -hmm. The risk attached to that is so high. Like there's just there's a lot in the game right now that like lends itself towards being diverse mm -hmm. towards like maybe going against the grain because let's say like the meta in the game is to go for drags and and everyone's like yeah dragons of course like you know so much so much value as the game goes on every minute like the value of this dragon will go up it's sort of like investment in the future and then like let's say like which is kind of what happened a team like G2 comes along or IG comes along and it's like I'm just going to tower dive you and then one of your players will be out of the game for the rest of the game. Like yeah. you get dragged but we get like a 5v4. Mm. And uh that like those sorts of options is it makes the game really interesting. I feel like for the for the longest time League was so boring to watch because it's like, "Ugh, of course that's going to happen." That's exactly what everyone does. Mm -hmm. Nowadays there's a lot more like creativity and it makes the game a lot more fun to play and hopefully more fun to watch. Without a doubt, I'm very excited for this year's uh Worlds season. Uh, swapping back over to you a little bit more personally, when we talked about um, being the best, uh, you said you, I mean, do you like it? Do you like being the best? Is that a position you want? I know you want to be the best, but is it a, is it a position that you enjoy being in? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah no, I, I got you. I think, I think one thing that sucks about being the best on the best team, like both of those things, is... Anything short of stomping your opponent is a huge failure. Like, <laughs> like if you lose, it's like, haha, you lost, you suck, you're you're washed up, you choke. Like, that what a huge upset. Like, you're you're bad now. And then if you, but if you win, it's like expected. You know, you, we knew you were gonna win. Everyone predicted you win. What's so what's so cool about that? There's nothing special about it. It's like I have so much to lose now, and not much to gain. Uh, like as a contrast, when I was on CLG, people were like double double FNAF for the best bot lane on a shit team. Right. And it's Never like, whoa, won. that's really cool, actually, <laughs> because like if we win, it'll be on our backs. But if yeah. we lose, we're being sandbagged. So it's like, that was like a very win-win situation for us. And that 3-0 like, was one of the most memorable finals yeah. in the history of the LCS. Uh, that win moment for the org <laughs> in its entirety, but also for the two of you as a duo. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, putting that aside, now I want to kind of talk about uh, a word you dropped when we were t when we were talking about being the best, which is that ego um, is a part of that. Mm -hmm. um, you have an ego, yes, I do. All right, great. I've got one too. Nice. So we can, uh, yeah, we can <laughs> we can commiserate on that. Um, but I actually want to, I want to talk about the value of ego because I think too often it is looked at in a negative light, um, and it and it can be a negative thing. Yeah. I'm sure you have examples in your life, as do I, where my own ego has gotten in my way or has been the cause of a failure of mine or my own downfall. Um, but there are also many times within my own life, and then I'm sure in yours, where the ego has been your main motivator or has been the catalyst to why you have achieved great things. And so I just want to get your perspective on the value of ego in sports. I mean, ego is so important. But like, first off, I think the most common way ego is a detriment to players is when they're afraid to be wrong, which I'm definitely guilty of, or I was guilty of very frequently before, like in my younger years. Having ego, you you think you're the shit. And when someone calls you out on something, you don't want to be wrong. You mm. don't want to look bad. And so you you argue back or like in, in a lot of ways, you like always need to be right. And so you like really try to drive home points on people and make them feel not so great and make that like make them make them out to be wrong and so you're kind of like raising your own status by doing that like relatively and that that's when ego can like 
really mess up a team and mess up like your your career, I guess, or like mm-hmm. anything in life. But like you said, I've, you said you've you've experienced I've definitely that done yourself. That. I've definitely did done you get that. Called out for that? No. How did you how did you, ha- be, how did you arrive at this self realization that this is something that I, has plagued me in my history? In my in my. I mean, I got kicked off CLG. <laughs> and so the, and that, I was like, why did they it? kick me? I was so good. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, wait, they kicked me because I was a dick. Okay. <laughs> and, and like, I, I can accept that and I'm going to work on that. Okay, cool. All right. So now let's talk about, though, where ego can be utilized in a productive manner. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. So where it's productive. I mean, let's be honest. Everyone wants to be great at something. Everyone wants to be recognized for something. If, if like somebody pays you a compliment, you look great today. Or like, oh, wow, you did such a good job. Like that feels, feels good. good. Feels so good. You want to be, uh, you know, recognized by your friends and peers and people you respect, especially, and and like kind of like be on their level or higher than them. And like ego helps you do that. Like it, it makes it so when you do something bad, you, you don't accept that. You, you're like, wait, I can do better than that. Mm. If you didn't have an ego, you'd be so like nihilistic. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like I don't need to compete with myself. I don't need to compete with other people. Like that doesn't matter. But like when I look at someone else. Let's just I, we just played clutch today. Let's, let's say Cody's son. Yeah. Someone someone comes to me and says like, "Oh, dude, Cody's son's my favorite AD carry. He's so good." I'm like, "Wait, what? <laughs> like, wait, what? What do you mean? Like, I'm so much better than him, you know?" And uh-huh. then and then that's that's when that's my ego talking. Like, yeah. I want to be better, and so like, what does that mean? It drives me to play better. It drives me to practice harder. Like, it drives me to like always look for new ways to just improve myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, that like I mean you even plays into the outside of game stuff like like going to the gym right like you wanna look you want to look good everyone yeah. wants to look good right like what what motivates that uh probably your ego a lot of the time you right? can say your health but really it's your ego. it's your vanity yeah. yeah without a doubt without a doubt I I, I mean I love I I love that because I I I, I agree one hundred percent for for me uh, ego is the most important when you're at the top uh but a healthy ego. And that's, I think, the the line that we're drawing here, right? It's, it's like ego can impede when mm-hmm. when e- when your ego is telling you that you're the best, as opposed to your ego telling you, "I want to be the best." Mm-hmm. So how do I get there, right? And that's that I think is the separation that's important to draw, which is, okay, I'm the best domestically, um, I'm the number one team in North America. Um, but that doesn't mean I can't get better at League of Legends. That doesn't mean I can't become a better mm-hmm. League of Legends player. And so the only way I can do that is I don't have another person to look to and say, that's who I need to learn from or that's who I need to surpass. I have to surpass myself. Yeah. My own ego is going to be the source of drive to do that. Yeah, for sure. If you're the best, or rather, being the best, how does that shift the relationship um with your teammates we talked a little bit about the idea of uh, resolving conflict or or discussing you know shortcomings or or things like that but but just within the 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 idea of maybe maybe we'll just put it in the bucket of like trust um if you feel that you're the best can you have trust in your in your teammates or how do you have trust in your teammates when you feel you might be the more equipped person or you might feel like it's up to me to carry that extra five percent yeah no like I, I think our team has a pretty realistic approach on trust which is you do lose trust for someone whether you want to or not whether you intend to or not like you lose trust for someone when they mess up yep. if you hang out with a dude and he's always dropping your stuff of course, you're not going to trust him with I your stuff. I can't give you my phone anymore, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, 
Of course not. Like it doesn't. It's like, oh no, like he's such a great person. You should trust him. It's like, well, no, like I've been burned. You know, like things yeah. happen. You know, like I, I go to, I, I play in playoffs or something, and like, oh, this guy, he doesn't perform as well. And so over time, especially through practice, because we play with each other like every single day, right? Like trust goes up and trust goes down. I think our team has a really realistic approach when it comes to that, where it's like, you need to show results. Mm -hmm. You need to gain your teammates' trust back that we can like pull this playoff or that we can play around your lane by doing like X, Y, and Z. And, uh, you know, we all make an effort, of course, to like give people chances. Give yeah. people more and more chances because everyone has capacity to like be a better player. That's, that's the trust. The trust is that not that like, you know, Jensen, today, like, I need you to play Heimerdinger again. It's like, I don't trust your Heimerdinger anymore. But I think, like, your capacity to play, like, of course, yeah. like, if it becomes meta or something, you can do it. Right. Right? Like, okay. and I think that's a better way to look at it. And um, a lot of teams, honestly, that lose, I can tell there's just a player that doesn't get trusted. Like, that that's a guy that, like, doesn't get any jungle attention, doesn't get any, like say and like how the game is being played as it's playing out it's just like he's just he's on an island you know like and i think oftentimes the top laner is like the least trusted member of the team our team we trust and you think so that's much. a product of geography yeah maybe maybe <laughs> he's just like isolated oh my god that's so rough <laughs> yeah. man when you're like yeah. sorry dude you just yeah. you're all the way up there so i don't trust you because i can't yeah. help you yeah exactly <laughs> it's like you don't know what's going on like oftentimes for our team impact is someone who's like involving himself and initiating himself in like our plays and like today, sometimes it goes bad, but like most of the time having that like fifth man where like other people just play as a four with like some random dude coming in, trying me in like once in a while. Right. It helps us a lot. All right. Fair. Um, I imagine then, because you spoke about the evolution of, of, <laughs> of TL over this year and how much more flexible you guys feel you are. Again, citing that Jensen has, you know, uh, or that rather the team itself can play around Jensen in more ways, can play around <laughs> impact in more ways. Yeah. That, that there also then must come with that a massive amount of trust that is now shared, right? Like, did do you do you feel like trust was something that didn't exist at the in January of 2019 with this squad, or maybe didn't exist, but existed in a small fashion? Yeah, and is now ballooned into something great. Yeah, it was, it was really rudimentary in the beginning. Like, actually, I remember in the TSM series, like where we're down zero two. And like I didn't play great in the first two games. Like if you if you like look back, I was like whatever, you know, I was I was like good. But like in in the first game, I played Silver, I got caught, and then we lost the game. And it's like oh, I actually like I was like the reason kind of why our Nexus exploded because mm -hmm. I just got caught like at forty minutes or something, and like I still like my teammates have so much trust in me. I was like I think their bot lane's weak. Like let's let's spend like the whole draft now should just be based around bot lane. Like let's pick a super strong lane and snowball bot, and like that's our win condition from now on. Like. That's a lot of trust my teammates put in me, even though I hadn't been like super dominant in the first two games or anything like that. And like, yeah, like I think we work we work on that a lot. Just like when, because we're all experts, we're all experts in like our own way. Uh, there's no one on the team is gonna know more about AD carry than me. Period. Yeah. End of story. But same with like support and jungle and top and mid. You know, like so every one of us is is our own, we're our own experts. And when we notice something. Uh, you kind of have to trust the guy who, yeah. like, you know, you trust the experts always. So, yeah, like, uh, this idea of trust, it extends way, way more past, like, just how, how we're playing at that exact moment. It's also, like, I don't know, just, like, noticing stuff, knowledge stuff. Mm -hmm. Game five of any series. What are you saying in, in the locker room? Do you, do you want the, the carry pick? 
Like, is it a lot of the time? Yeah, a lot of guys give it to me. Whatever, Jensen, Karma, Duty. Like, I got this. I would say my biggest strength is my mechanical ability. Like, I don't. Sometimes I put myself in really dumb spots, mm -hmm. and I will, <clears throat> you know, I'll just run it down and have a terrible game where I'm just useless. But game five, mechanics matter a lot because they're deteriorating as you play. Like I. I've noticed this. Game five, people just play worse. There's yep. more mistakes. Fatigue. Period. Um, <clears throat> so I think, especially domestically, I just know I, I'm so much better than the next best person mechanically that like, I feel really good playing skill matchups. I feel really good getting the resources. I know that I'll play better than my, our opponents, I guess. But um, I don't know. Ball. Yeah, give me All the right. ball. Pretty much, that's it. All right. I like it. I like it. Great. Now, all right. Now I want to talk about the series that we're about to to, to, to head into. Um, but within the context of what TL is trying to achieve here. And you are such a massive part of that narrative. Because that narrative can be tracked back to TL on the verge of relegation. Right? Like, we we talk a lot on air about the the possible four-peat. But we also don't kind of talk about where the four-peat or what the four-peat was born out of. Mm. Which is that TL was a titleless team that then almost faced relegation in which Doublelift had to come in and be the savior of, and then catalyzed to, uh, you know, tying the, you know, TSM as the most successful org in terms of uh, three titles in a row and now challenging for something that no one else has done. And, and you've been a part of that, that whole section, the redemption arc. Um, how, how, how often do you guys talk about the 4P? Never, never. Really? Our team never Seriously? talks about it, dude. Our team, we don't want to address. So, 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 like, you know, it's so talked about. It's so mainstream. We're just like, man, we just want that first seat at Worlds. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't think about the, the his, history, <laughs> the like, the monumental achievement. Now, like, if we are the first, we, we would be the first. And I think we would honestly be the last because the odds of someone winning four in a row again is yeah. so crazy. It's so crazy. First off, you have to win both splits that year, which is already like you're super dominant. And then the next year, none of the other teams have can, can like overtake you roster-wise, like mm -hmm. buy your players out, get better players of their own, make another super team. Like it's just so unlikely that I think it's made, be really I think cool. it's made more fascinating by the fact that the game, you know, changes. Yeah, that's right? true. Like, it could just totally not suit your team for a whole year or, like, just one, one patch during playoffs. And literally, like, oh. literally the playoff yeah. patch could ruin you. Yeah, it could it could ruin you. So it's just so unlikely it'll ever happen again. I would feel really cool being a part of it. Um, uh, so let me ask you this. What matters more? Uh, the first seed or the four-peat? I understand that they come hand-in-hand, hand, but, yeah. but, you know, to, again, to, to your point where it's like, I mean, what do I care about more? I honestly just care about winning the series, right? The, the yeah. four peak comes with it. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the focus. Yeah. I will. The first seed, honestly, has historically never mattered. <laughs> like for NA, <laughs> right? Like we had the first seed and it's like, okay, sick. What group am I going to get? Right. It was Samsung and RNG. It's like, oh, yes, come on, yes. dude. Like I thought first seed was going to be sick. So, right. Like every time I, I go to Worlds, I'm the first seed. I'm like, Where's my advantage, guys? Like, where, where'd it go? Um, I think making history is is always nice. I don't know. 
I don't know like what the community feels about. Actually, I kind of do know what the community feels about about all this stuff. Like since I joined Team Liquid, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. No worries. One of the most satisfying things in the world for me that just like it makes me like it's too petty. Honestly, it's so petty to say, but like say it. I go to the I go to the Team Solomon subreddit and I read the comments after they lose to Clutch or something <laughs> like that. And it's like, why the fuck did we drop double lift? <laughs> it's that's vindication. It's so, it's so good, dude. Oh my. Sorry, I'm having too much fun no, right now reliving that's those, what, that's those what comments, want, dude. Like, it's just... I mean, but that's, it feels but that's, good. that's because it feels you earned good. it, right? Yeah, it if you had good. left team, If you had left TSM and accomplished nothing, no one would be saying that. Yeah. And yeah. so, by all accounts, and again, this is where I, you know, I'm going to dive into more of what can be accomplished in this. You already separated yourself as the winningest player in the LCS with your spring split title. Yeah. Um, Smithy is actually tied for Bjergsen now in second. Uh, yeah, no five. one talks about Jake. He's so good. So that's what I want to talk about, too, is like, you know, is, yeah, I mean, you've accomplished great things and you can continue to separate yourself uh, from the pack. But I also want to talk about the greatness around you because um, because part of being the best team, I think, there are, yes, there might be some cases in history where the best team is almost solo carried by a specific player. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times there are other great pieces uh, around it. And it is, it's the, it is a product of, of the whole machine than a single, uh, a single part. And so, so give, just give me a moment to wax and wane on, on some of your teammates. And in particular, Smithy, who, who would also then move into solidly the second winningest player in the LCS. Yeah, Xmithy, which is weird for me to say. I'm going to call him Jake from now on. But uh, Jake, yeah, 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 no, it's cool, it's cool. But he is, like, so consistently smart about the game. And it's not, like, not even in, like, not even, like, just, like, in, the, in like, the grand scheme of things. Like, he has this crazy mind about, like, oh, like, this is how I want to play and, like, this is how I want to path. But just, like, his, like, his IQ in the game is crazy where he, like, always knows what enemy jungler is no matter what. It's, like, I could just tell him, oh, they're bot lane leashed. Like, they use mana as they came into lane. And, like, three minutes later, he'd be like, yeah, he's here. Just ping it. And it's like, well, how do you know that? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, he's just there? And and he's always right. He's never wrong. And, and like, he he knows, like, so many little things about the game, and especially about jungling, where, like, he's just unquestioningly, like, the jungle expert about stuff. Yeah. And he'll know how much XP he is ahead or behind based on, like, the enemy jungler's CS and pathing and stuff like that. And it's like, I just, I just don't understand how he's so good. But anyways... He has been my teammate sort of like on and off, I guess, since season five when we won first time. Yeah. And I remember back then, um, I didn't really know what his, what his strengths were, but he was very mechanically good. Mm -hmm. He was actually like, it's, it's crazy because now people are memeing that he's the oldest player in LCS, right? Yeah. But his strengths have changed and evolved like through time. Okay. Where like before he was a crazier player. And he played stuff like Echo and Lee Sin. Mm -hmm. He was like really mechanical and he always dived in, went deep and like, and now he's more of like a methodical player and he knows the exact right time to go in and how to engage fights, like where to be, when, when to be there, like always covering for tower dives, not let, like never letting his laners get like totally screwed by the enemy jungler, but also like setting up his own plays. So he has like definitely rolled with the punches really well. The, the meta's changed a lot. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, but, he's changed a lot. Yeah. I mean, even, yeah, without a, without a doubt. And it has been very interesting to track uh, his champion pool throughout the years. Funnily enough, Lee Sin was his most played in spring. But even still, it felt like a different style of Lee Sin yeah. than what would have been played, you know, years ago. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, on, on Smithy, I think a lot of people look at him as a player, a very successful player. Um, 
who doesn't have an ego, or at least doesn't appear to, right? And again, I think we can agree that everyone has, it's, the ego's in there somewhere, yep. but it manifests differently. Um, but, but his demeanor always seems to be like just the most like chill, <coughs> the chill, relaxed. I mean, I swear when, when I was interviewing on the Madison Square Garden stage about, you know, a 3-0 victory, first victory for CLG, it was just kind of like, yeah, it happened, man. Like, yep, is that, Jake. is he ever, does he ever, can you rattle that guy? Uh, I've seen him, I've definitely <laughs> seen him rattle. We've seen, we've all seen each other at our absolute worst and our absolute, like, best. Yeah. So, let me tell you guys, he has an ego. Okay. It's there, you know, it is definitely there. And, uh, and Jake, all of us are guilty of being a little too defensive. Okay. You know, of like of like things that we're doing that that maybe the team wants to change and stuff like that. Right. All of us do this. Jake, no exception. But I think the thing about him is he's always so chill uh on game days. He's yeah. super, super chill and mellow. And like we win, and he's like, oh whatever. You know, this is I'm I'm Jake. Like I just <laughs> another day in the office. I'm just yeah, just another day. And we lose, it's like, uh, eh, whatever, I'm Jake. Right. It's fine. But like I maybe like that. It, on I like the that inside, he reassures himself yeah. of who he is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever, I'm Jake. <laughs> no, it's just it's just uh I think he has a his emotional range yeah. on, on those days is is very narrow and it helps him maybe that's just, you know, his way of like how he how he can perform well. We'll wrap this up with a little conversation about Detroit specifically. Cloud Nine is your opponent. The last time you guys faced them was uh, in a best five was uh, summer, yep, uh, 2018. Yeah, I remember. Where you it guys was uh, took your second title in a row. Yeah. Um. So we get the rematch here. Uh, how, how are you feeling about it? How are you feeling about Cloud Nine as a challenger? I think Cloud Nine, amazing team, very different than us. Very, very different. I think Cloud Nine has one win condition: Svenskeren and Niski need to carry. Okay. Um. There is a. Zero percent chance, basically, that Licorice or Sneaky are going to carry. It is going to be jungle mid, mm -hmm. and then you know our team. Obviously, um, we're pretty bot focused, I would say. But also, like, we don't want to leave Jensen out to dry, like we we did in regular season. Mm -hmm. So we are we are obviously very aware of how we lost. We're, we're zero two against them this split, right? Um, but we lost the same way both times. I think our team has maybe a little bit more options. Just because that was one of the things I was going to ask you. You kind of cited again the growth of the team. Do you feel like Cloud Nine is where you guys were exactly a year ago in like their growth as a roster, where they they're very good, but they are very good at kind of one yeah. narrow thing. Yeah. And with time, they could be of your caliber. Yeah. No, I think that team has really great potential. And the thing that I don't understand is how they didn't get to this point of like their like success wise or like skill wise. When Jensen was on the roster, like mm. I, I feel like Jensen is always being compared now to Niski because it's like, you know, there's a replacement and like finally Cloud9 is like doing well with Niski mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But like, I don't get it. Like Jensen is so good. I just, it just doesn't make sense to me logically why they couldn't do the same thing with Jensen. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, they could be there. They could, they could be us, obviously, with time. I think the main issue is like, they kind of have a weak top and bot. Yeah. You know, like their bot lane. They don't really do much, and when they play against when when I play against Sneaky, he doesn't he doesn't do anything. He just waits for me to do something and hopes that it's bad. And I I I just you know there's like two types of players in LCS. There's like the Sneaky's Vens, and then there's like the me and who who kind of plays like me. Honestly, let me think about this. 
in terms With of eighty carries, oh, well, stick style, stick yes, say, yes, yeah, yeah. a little bit more pressure oriented. Yeah, violin. yeah, like I, I respect a lot more like the stick says out there. Okay, I, I mean, Sneaky is a great player for sure, but his style hasn't changed much, so I never feel but do you any think pressure. That his style precludes him from being great. No, 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 he's still great. Okay, he's still great, but he is a player where I think, uh, if you like put him on a team of four mediocre players, you wouldn't carry. Right. Right, but he's on a good team, and he fulfills his role really well, really consistently. Mm-hmm. So he's a great player. I, yeah. I mean, you, no one will ever argue this. Sneaky's a great player. I just wish he pressured me more. So hopefully he does in the finals. You hear that? Um, the last thing I want to touch on, I don't know if you've um, had an opportunity to see. Um, we've had a, a couple interviews with Sven Skarin where he was very vocal about uh, how tough spring was uh for him personally in in having lost the reverse sweep to tsm mm. which he very much feels like they should have won and i yeah. think that yeah. a lot of people yeah most everyone feels they should have <laughs> won that um and then to watch tsm go and get reverse swept by you guys saying if we were there we would not have let that happen we would have beat if we were in that final we would have beat tl Whoa. um you know, and so again, I, I think what's interesting about this is that I think, um, you know, that's an example of somebody who who is maybe using ego, who's looking at yeah, ego. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But again, in a in a, to, I like to believe in a healthy way because he's now he's now gearing up for exactly that opportunity, right, where he yeah. can put his money, uh, you know, to to where his mouth is and, and actually shut down you guys in your quest for the four peat. Um, do you think Svenskaren? has the capabilities the only guy on the all pro team uh you know outside of the team liquid the team liquid guys can he and niski get it done yeah dude i mean dennis he has been always like a player i respect a lot since i play with him on tsm and he he really got he really got hamstrung by like the tsm play style which it just it honestly just ruins junglers mm-hmm. end of story as people have finally started to realize it just ruins every jungler's ability to play the game but Dennis, he's so good. I think without him, C9 isn't even in top four. Like I think they're just they're just a whatever middle of the pack team. Mm-hmm. Like because of him, they made the finals. But that doesn't mean that he's better than Jake. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Final question. You're going to Detroit in a week. Are you doing it? Are you guys doing what no other team has done before in the LCS? Bringing home the four Pete, going to Worlds as the one seed, and representing us proudly there yeah i think I, we're doing it we're doing it that's what i like to hear double if thank you so much for stopping by best of luck next week in the finals cloud nine and team liquid will battle it out in detroit at the lcs summer finals in the little caesars arena with a special performance by Jax anderson during the opening ceremonies tickets are still available at lollysports.com so go check those out one of those players though that he will be facing in detroit is c9's sven skaren who's joining us now welcome to the show sven skaren how you doing I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Let's dive right into it. Uh, but we are going to start with a little bit of a rewind, right back to spring split of this year, semifinals. Cloud9, 2-0 to begin, and the reser- reverse sweep follows. Um, we've already had a couple opportunities on broadcast to talk to you about that, and you've been pretty vocal about the fact that you feel uh, you were the better team, um, and that it, but that it, that it did slip away from you guys on that day. Um, and even went on to say that you believe if you were in TSM's position in that finals, that you would have closed it out against Team Liquid. Um, 
dive into that a little bit more for me. Like, what, what, why is it that you could kind of so confidently say that? Or what is it that makes you feel you guys had that ability and it just wasn't maybe there on that day? Uh, yeah, so I feel like our play style at the time were pretty aggressive. And I feel like TSM, they kind of knew how to play against us a bit better than we knew how to play against them. But mm. I feel like if we were to go up against TL, our play style would have matched a lot better. But... I think the that's just the advantage of having like first seed, which yeah. TL usually always gets during the regular splits. So they get to choose who they play against and we don't. Mm -hmm. So obviously I feel like we were pretty good last split and I think TL were they weren't looking as strong as uh like like people would think they were. Mm -hmm. And obviously from scrims we could see that we we're kinda like demolishing them every scrim. So obviously we had a high confidence that we we're gonna win the whole thing. So Maybe we were a bit too cocky going up against TSM that we were looking too far ahead that like uh, like the split is probably going to be our win. Mm -hmm. So I think we got too cocky going up against TSM that just because our scrims were looking so well, like we were doing so well in scrims. So then, so then how do you come down from that? Like you've now lost the semifinals and you've watched the finals of spring and you're sitting there saying uh, that could have been us and we could have we could have closed it out. <laughs> How, how, how do you how do you go through the off season? What did you guys diagnose as you know maybe what needs to change in summer to make sure that that doesn't happen? But at the same time, how do you guard yourselves against saying blow up the roster? You know, like we would have had it if everything was different and start attacking at all angles. Like, what talk to me about that balance? Uh, I mean, it's obviously hard to say. Like, there's not just going to be one reason why we lost. Like the. We got, we got reverse swept. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we had a lot of internal jokes about why we lost and stuff like that, which, I mean, one of the funny things we talk about is that uh, after we up 2-0, uh -huh. I think uh, Niski got a little bit too cocky, so he started joking around like that he want to go home fast. And, uh, <laughs> he basically and that's a quick recipe to be sent home. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he did not go home fast. Instead, we got 3-0'd. Yeah. So... I think we're having a lot of jokes like that, which I think as a team, we're pretty well around being open with each other. Mm -hmm. And even though it's pretty depressing, like I think one of the ways we get over the depression is kind of like joking around it. So has that been the case on all of the teams you've been on? I mean, from from Europe to, to North America, or is this something that's unique to, to, to Cloud9 in the way that you guys deal with issues or uh, shortcomings? I think it's very unique to Cloud9 where... In my previous teams, we would have like very serious meetings about why we think we lost or like why we're bad. But mm. here it's more like after we lose, it's not like we go straight into a meeting and we talk about like, okay, you're the reason why we lost and like stuff like this. It's more like we have some time to think about the things. And then uh, I think we start like reboot kind of like brings up like what we have to start how to work on next time. It's not like more too much like blaming Who's the right. reason why we lost? It's more like just working on what we need to improve on. So jokes, those are always great. But were you angry? Was there? Were you angry, frustrated <laughs> at those results from last year or from last split, rather? Uh definitely. I was quite pissed. Mm -hmm. I was not really able to talk to some of my teammates for a little bit after. Mm -hmm. I think we all probably felt that. That uh, I don't know. We we're just all so angry that but we lost. Do you think that that's healthy? I mean, I would argue that to some degree, uh, the anger is healthy, at least in, in that it 
it validates your desire to to want to perform better, right? Uh, obviously, how that anger presents itself or manifests can be detrimental. Uh, but but frustration, anger, sadness, all of these things, those can be healthy emotions uh, on the journey to accomplishment. Yeah, I think for sure it's healthy to. It just means that you really care about the game and you really want to succeed. And I kind of don't want any of my teammates to just not have any emotions. If we lose an important game, I, mm-hmm. think, it's, I think it's pretty serious if you don't feel anything. So obviously, I think we all got a bit angry that we lost. And I think, I mean, at least me personally, I don't hold any grudges against any of my teammates. Mm-hmm. So even though like, I feel like we should have won, I just need like a little bit of a break and then I'm fine with my teammates again as long as we like learn from the mistakes we did. Do you personally or does the team uh, as a whole, do you guys have like any method of like checks and balances, way, ways to kind of check yourself on on whether or not you're creating an unhealthy environment? Because in a lot of ways, I think uh, Cloud9 is one of the orgs that is looked to as having having long been one of the best, you know, environments for players to come into, uh, coaches young people up, sets people up for success. So, like, why is Cloud9 able to, what does Cloud9 actually do that you guys can come away from things and find healthy ways of moving through them? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of it is just uh, because of Jack and Reboot. I think they really ease it for new players to come into the team, like, you don't really feel too much stress or like pressure mm-hmm. if you're a new guy coming into the team. I know me personally coming into the team, I was like accepted, like very welcome. So it was like very easy for me to transition into living in the Cloud9 house. And I think probably all the new new people coming into mm-hmm. feel the same way where even if uh, you're supposed to perform well and stuff like that, does not really put any pressure on you to like perform that well. like. When we have draft meetings and we talk about how we're supposed to play the game, it's not like, obviously it has to be a little serious, but it's not like too serious that you kind of like choke or something like that. All right. So we fast forward then to to this split where, uh, you know, Cloud9 th- throughout the regular season was contesting at least for top spots, right? You kind of mentioned that TL always feels like that sli- slightly one step ahead or maybe unreachable in the race for the first seed. Uh, but you managed to snag the second one, play your way through um, a more dominant uh, playoff run, having the buy and only needing to play one best of five. But, but you did go up 2-0 against Clutch. <laughs> So were there any of those creeping feelings of uh, it could all slip away? <laughs> uh, definitely. I think uh, after like, we were up 2-0. Did you step off the stage and did everyone look to Niski and be like, <laughs> don't make that joke again? Definitely. <laughs> after the 2-0, everyone was saying, okay, Niski, don't say it. Don't say it. Right. Don't say it. And he was like, "Of course, okay, guys, of course I'm not going to say it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, but I think. dropped a game. Yeah, so, so it got a little bit stressful. And it was kind of the same way that last bit also worked, where we get a Baron in game three, we're looking to win the game, and then all of a sudden, we lose the game. Like, Right, it's not like you got hard smashed in game yeah. three. You were in a winning, we were winning position, the game. Yeah. and then you lost it. And so then how do you how do you avoid slipping into whatever it was in spring that allowed you to drop two more? Uh, I think... I'm not so sure about everything, but I know me personally, I was just 
getting kind of frustrated, I would say. Uh-huh. So I was kind of yelling about what we have to do and like, okay, guys, we need to TB flank. We're not going to win the game unless we do this. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to set like hard conditions for our team to like... This is in-game, in-game four or in- is this a pre-game four? In-game four, okay. when we had the draft. Right. And I think also one of the reasons why we could not like choke after that is because uh, I felt like at least even if uh, we didn't win that, win that game, we would win the game five because mm. coming into the day, we already decided that if it is match point, like we're down 0-2 or whatever it is, the we lost two games, then either Defly or Blava is going to sub in. So I did, I wasn't really too worried. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of helps relieve stress of me. And I think one of the mistakes in the spring was that uh, Rebot wanted to sub in Blava in the game five, but I felt like I really wanted to close out the series mm. myself because it was against my former team, TSM, and I felt like I was performing pretty well. But obviously, I think I got a little bit tilted in that series. And I think... It kind of helped me realize that this uh, series as well, like even if we do go 2-2 or like 0-2, that I have the safety net of like Blava can come in and like refresh the team's atmosphere. Do you feel like you're responsible for Spring's loss? Uh, I think I didn't, I didn't motivate or help my team enough to like help us win the game for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so then this time around, do you feel like I mean, I guess I guess you kind of already said this, but maybe I'll just try and get it in more certain terms. Do you feel like the experience of spring prepared you for the possibility or, or removed maybe a bit of that that ego or whatever it is, right? That that ultimately told you in spring, like I want to play this game. You feel like you were prepared here in a two-two scenario to say, you know what, it's not me. It's not my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think definitely setting conditions before the game that like it's okay, like, even if we do, blah, 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 like, we end up losing, like, it's fine, like, we can still win the game with blah, blah, playing, or with definitely playing, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think, I guess, I was just too cocky coming into Spring Split, where, just because of, we had so good practice, and we're putting in so much work, that I just really felt like there was no way we could lose, uh-huh. so, I guess I got too, too mad when we started losing, that, like, okay, guys, like, I really want to win this game, right, but, right. Obviously, if we have a seven-man roster, like it's not always going to be up to me to win the game. So then, how do you reconcile this kind of shift in perspective, right, around uh, needing to be or the sole carrier of the team? How do you reconcile that with the fact that one of the major narratives of this entire summer split has been Sven Skarin is the star of Cloud9. Niski as well, it is the duo, but MVP candidate Sven Skarin. Sven Skarin is the key to C9's success. Like, if that's a narrative pushed by by the broadcast or by the fans, uh, other teams, even other players, how do, you, how do you deal with that when internally you guys are all trying to get to a place of like, we do not live or die by one person? Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily think I've been playing better this split than I was last split. I think maybe we just like learned like some tough lessons from losing in spring that mm-hmm. we just play a lot better as a team right now. I feel like the jungle is always going to look better if your team is playing better. So I don't really feel the stress or like whatever to like get MVP. It's mm-hmm. never really been one of my concerns about getting MVP. So... The, my ultimate goal is just to win the split. Right. And 
be on the best team possible, make my team the best team possible. And whether whatever that means I'm playing or Blabber's playing, as long as I can improve the team in some way, I think that's totally fine with me. Love that mindset. Um, do you feel like C9's success right now is predicated on yours and Niski's success as a duo, though? Like, do you think there is truth to that as a narrative for the way you guys win? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think me and Niski are performing super well together. I think we just work really well together. So even though, like, a lot of games, we do get advantages and stuff, I think it's not just only because of us. I think the game is played as a five-man, and obviously, if... If our ball lane, for example, we were constantly asking for resources, then we wouldn't be able to play through mid all the time. So, like, I'll play with double lift as well, where yep. it is on the other side, where, like, you have a ball lane asking all the time for stuff, but there's only so many resources in the game that you can't give every lane, like, what they want. So, obviously, there has to be someone that takes and someone that gives. So, yeah. yeah. So, small tangent on that, just because I, I, selfishly, I'm a jungler as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious again on the professional level when you when you uh, are in a position like you have been in a player who has a very long career across many organizations all the way from Europe to North America and now we're to Cloud Nine. How do you how do you come in? What's your first step when you come into a team? Is it to identify that who who needs who needs me the most? Like how because it does it feels like a service role. Yeah, very rarely is the jungler the only stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been on a lot of different teams. So obviously, when I was in Europe, I used to play purely for myself because back then the game wasn't as serious as it is now and mm -hmm. there wasn't as many rules and as many coaches. There wasn't coaches at all. So it's right. more like every player was kind of like playing for themselves and whoever on the team was performing the, the best would get the most resources. So yeah. I think coming into when I joined TSM, I think... It was very different for me because there was a lot more rules and it was stricter and people wanted to play in a certain way. It was like set rules about how to play the game and I didn't really know of any like strict rules of how to play the game. I just go by feel. Mm -hmm. So I think I had to learn a lot more about how the game is played out rather than just playing by feel. And I think me joining a different team is like I kind of have to come into the team and see how they play the game together. Not like... I, I want to play a certain way. It's more like I just kind of like adapt to what my team needs and just play that way. Okay. So then we we, we we come back to C9 in its current state where, again, a lot of people say, well, the way that C9 wins is uh, Sven and Niski, something in the mid lane, take that advantage uh, to the side lanes. Um, almost every mid laner we've spoken to who has to go up against you has given us a similar response of like, oh, that matchup's not going to be fun for me. You know, like, I know what's coming. But with a specific lens on the finals matchup that's coming up, Smithy and Jensen are no slouches. You've obviously played with Jensen uh, yourself and against Smithy many a time. You took the first All-Pro from uh, Smithy. Jensen took it from Niski by a very small margin. So we have a very interesting one-two matchup on each side. Talk to me a little bit about that matchup, uh, your expectations for it, uh, confidence, or even stylistically how you feel the the, the two match up. Uh, yeah, so... I mean, obviously, TL is the best team in NA, and I think we're kind of the underdogs going into the match. Mm -hmm. I think Jensen is kind of a weird player where I feel like Sometimes he plays super well, and then other times he plays really poorly. Mm -hmm. So I think obviously going into the match, we're just going to hope that 
it's one of his bad days, you know? Like, if he gets certain champions, like some carry champs, he can really pop off. But I think Niski as well is like kind of the X factor in this match because he's just so good when he gets a lead at moving around the map, mm -hmm. which I think not really anyone in NA is that good at, like just taking your resources, like taking your lead and like really pushing it to the sidelines. Where did that come from? Where where did Niski come from? Like you 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 you've been one of the closest people to him. So as as somebody who's very invested in this in this mid laner who who spent some time in North America, honestly didn't perform well, <laughs> goes back over to Europe for for a year, returns to North America, and is now challenging some of the other NA greats in terms of mid lane status and finds his way into a final like. What is it? I mean, you've touched on it a bit. It's this ability to extend an advantage, but like, why does he play that way? Where did this come from? Who taught him this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why he plays like that, but <laughs> I mean, I'm happy that he likes to move around the map and it makes my job a lot easier because obviously a jungler is supposed to gank, but if your middle can also gank for you, then he eases up the burden, you know? Did he teach you or did you teach him? How how did that relationship uh, develop where we can now together take an advantage and go somewhere? Who who Who's the catalyst there? Was this something he said, this is how I want to play? And he, I'm not just sure. I feel like we just are very open with each other. So I know if someone else, like I can take some examples of some other teams because we like to joke around with each other and like uh -huh. kind of be toxic, you could say. So like flame each other. Mm -hmm. So whenever we play against TSM, for example, and... Bjergsen would be doing something. A lot of the jokes would be like that I really miss playing with Bjergsen because uh, he's so good at mid lane. Okay. So I think Niski gets a lot of like uh, criticism. So I think he's pretty good at taking criticism and like taking it not too harshly, I would say. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like dwell in and like get tilted from someone telling him that he should be doing something. So I think he's just super good at taking criticism and just putting in a lot of work because he plays so much solo queue. And yeah. I think that's kind of like why he's so good. If we zoom out on the finals matchup, TL is this Goliath. Uh, you guys beat them in the regular season. Um, so when we look at it in that microcosm, it doesn't it doesn't feel so separated. But But more so from this zoomed out perspective of TL has won three splits in a row. Uh, TL is on the verge of, or possibly winning a fourth and doing what no other team has done. They have the winningest player in the LCS in double F with six trophies. They have Smithy just behind him at five, behind or tied with Bjergsen for trophies. Uh, then, honestly, the next jump is, is is down to a player like you who garnered three titles. But those three titles came on TSM. They did not come on your current organization. And the organization that you find yourself on currently is winless in the last five years, looking to recapture the former glory, this former dominance that we knew of Cloud9 when they came in. And so when you hear that around the, the finals matchup, like what, what, is, what does that make you feel in terms of the kind of the grandeur and the, the gravity of the best of five that you're about to play, perhaps being one of the most important best of fives ever played in North America? Uh, I mean, obviously it's a lot of pressure put on all of us. I think that we should be able to overcome it because to me, we are the underdogs and I feel like TL, they kind of have to prove to everyone that they're the best team in NA. But right now I think we're looking pretty strong and I don't know, I mean, it's kind of different because C9 used to have Jensen and 
I don't think Jensen ever won anything. Nope. He got his first. He got his first title on TL. Just yeah, with double lift. So with I feel like he kind of went the cheating route of ah. just throwing up with double lift. I mean, I was also there in the past, so uh-huh. I feel like also my titles you, are kind of cheating. Do you feel like those three titles were a bit of a? I got carried. Uh, I don't think I got carried. Okay. But I think it was definitely easier than. What it could have been, right. because I was playing with double lift, and I feel like if you have double lift in your team, it's kind of unfair for the other teams because he just does so much work when it really matters. Like, mm-hmm. I think even though we're two zero against him in the regular split, I think there's no way we can be cocky going into this match because TL doing the regular split, like players like double lift that just have so many games played, they don't really try the hardest in every single regular split match. So when the game just really matters, like that's when you can see players like just really shine like that. Do you feel like Doublelift is the best player in North America? Uh, for sure. That's cool. Uh, yeah. I don't and you think it's because simply because of drive? Like, I mean, the ability, ability has to be there. Let's take ability as a known quantity. Anyone who's going to be the best at something has to have that ability. But like to to then to achieve that ability, is it the way he practices? It's his motivation. It's his drive. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even sure. I don't think he even puts in that much work in solo queue. It must just be that. He's just so dedicated in all the scrims that, like, I played with him, and I know he's he can be, like, a pretty tough guy to work with. So, uh-huh. obviously, uh, uh, that must be why he's so good, because he just really puts a lot of pressure on all his teammates to just keep improving. So, I think that's, yeah, why he's so good. Do you think you're better for playing with him? Uh, I think, I mean, it's been a long time since I played with him, mm-hmm. but I think during the time I was playing with him, like, even though sometimes it might be rough, but I feel like in the end it's worth it because a player that just pushes you all the time, like, even though it can be super annoying at times, like, I feel like it, at the end it's worth it. You think he's better for playing with you? Uh, I might have... Uh, yes. I might have influenced him a bit in a positive way. Yes, so. thank you. <laughs> Come on. Huh? Yeah. Knock that guy down a peg, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Um, C9 being capable of taking down TL. I, again, I think that that is something that everyone needs to acknowledge. Well, while we are building up TL for everything that they've done great, there is that too. And I know you just talked about the fact that you expect a different level, a different level of TL in the in the postseason. Um, what what is kind of your your response or feeling in in the likelihood of the win or or this perception uh that that most every team is just disregarded for not being tl right now uh yeah i mean i think coming into the match i'm just gonna be humble but try my hardest i think everyone on our team is super hungry for the title Mm -hmm. i know me personally i'm putting in as much work as i possibly can to just really get this freaking title (laughs) like i'm so tired of losing i've been losing the last two years do you feel responsibility to the legacy, the old legacy of Cloud9, as 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 not having been a part of the high media um, sneaky balls lemonation era of dominance? Do you feel a responsibility to that legacy, or is it more about creating something new? Uh, I think it's more of a selfish reason where I just really don't like losing and seeing other people win whereas i feel like i could be the guy winning that instead of them yeah so i guess i'm kind of jealous type <laughs> so am i I think, and, I think i think a lot of humans are by nature <laughs> right and no whether when you know jealous ego whatever it is competitiveness i think that is something that's important to to um being 
great at something, uh, especially within uh, competition. Um, do you feel like you all, you were always that kind of a person, or did it take you realizing that you were, you know, you had this kind of ability in a, you know, this skill set in something that kind of maybe ignited that, or is this like, no, this was me since I was a kid. Anything I could compete in, I would go for it. Uh, I feel like as a kid, I was a lot more shy and not as outgoing. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I became so good at video games because. I mean, I just like being by myself, kind of. Right. But obviously, my mom always told me I can do anything I wanted. <laughs> Mine too. I'm pretty sure she was lying to me. Um, so then, okay, let's talk about that. This idea that it was, I'll call it reclusiveness or shyness, that actually resulted in you finding this thing that you were great at. But then talk to me about going from or being that kind of a person to being on this stage and having this level of visibility where, I mean, literally everything you do is now monitored to some degree. People will look up your solo queue account, I'm sure, by the minute to find, you know, builds and this and then social media and interviews and success on the stage. Like, how did you deal with that as a young person going from I was at one point just playing games because I liked to in my room and now I'm here? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a long time for me. It, I, in the beginning, it wasn't really as big, I feel like, because I started when the LCS just began. Right. It wasn't as professional as it is now. And I kind of like made the jump like pretty slowly, becoming a different person. Like when I first was in LCS, for sure, I was super shy and I wouldn't really talk to anyone like other players. But definitely, I feel like, uh, I don't know, just maturing, I guess, because when I first joined, like, became a pro, like I was like 16, 17 years old, and now I'm 23, mm -hmm. which I feel like is a big difference. For sure, I've matured a lot. And yeah, I mean, I don't really feel too much stress now because, um, yeah, I don't feel like the fans or the expectations are really like a bad thing. I feel like it's good to be kind of under the pressure and have the stress on you to perform because otherwise I feel like me as a person, I can just get lazy if nobody really cares about what I have to do. So I feel like the pressure is a pretty good thing. Have you ever succumbed to, uh, you talk about, you know, as a person, you can become lazy. I can relate to that uh, to, to, to quite a level. But do you feel like you've ever succumbed to that within your own career? Like, like getting lazy? Getting lazy or that like, basically, can you identify, you know, the valleys of your career? Were there times when either... Um, you know, for whatever reason, and maybe we can identify those reasons that you you maybe receded, you know, back into the shyness or couldn't handle something or fell into laziness or complacency. Uh, there's a lot of times in, for sure, one's career where the practice just gets so boring that you just, it's just so annoying to do it. Mm -hmm. For sure, like, I've had it, like, so many times because whenever playoffs comes or worlds comes, then you have like a month or like two months, even if it's a worlds to just keep practicing with no official matches. And to me, that's just gets so boring that in the end, like the practice, like even though you have a lot of time to practice, it doesn't even, it doesn't even get that like, good. it's not that good practice because you're really just like doing it just to do it. Right. And you're not like keep improving. So in a lot of my team, former teams, it's always been like, the practices gets worse and worse the longer you have. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely get lazy when I have to 
scrim for like a month straight without playing games. That's where I imagine uh, the environment of Cloud9 comes in very handy, right? The idea that you guys can 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 joke, can have more of that casual, relaxed demeanor to take a break from the redundancy of the split. Yeah, we don't really get pressured in every single scrim to do our best. So I feel like we don't burn out as easily. Mm-hmm. So like uh, there's not too much uh, stress in all the scrims which I feel like a lot of other teams might have. Like, if you're performing, like, pretty badly, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of teams try to, like, I don't know, be, like, more strict in the scrims. And, yeah, on Cloud9, that's not really... It's not really set that uh, we have to perform in every single scrim. I think the scrims are just important for practice. And as long as you have certain goals going into the scrims, like, I want to practice this matchup or I want to learn how to do this thing, mm-hmm. then I don't think you should, like, get mad at each other for, like, just trying to learn. I want to explore something else with you, which is the idea of uh, physicality as it relates to to gaming. Um, because I think that uh, it's often something a bit overlooked, but has as is has becoming a little bit more or being pushed a little bit more to the forefront, just with understanding that like there are more aspects to professional gaming uh, than just mechanically being good, isolated in your room behind a computer screen, right? There's the mental game. There's the cooperative element of working with teammates. But there's also the idea that, you know, your best version of yourself, right, will pre- will produce the best results. Um, and you and uh, and Golden Glow are fondly known as, as the Swole Bros, right? Uh-huh. Um, do you feel that physicality is something that is uh, hugely important to success in competition, even if the competition itself is not physical? Uh, I think it definitely has positives. Uh, I mean, I can speak from my own own like life experience that back when uh, I was overweight, obese, and I wouldn't really have that much confidence in my own voice and what people thought of me. Mm-hmm. So for sure, like my uh, leadership skills were like definitely an all-time low. And I feel like just losing weight and working out like improves self-esteem and just confidence so i feel like if you're a shy person it definitely doesn't help being overweight i just think it's a very interesting thing uh to explore especially in this space right because it's often one of the things that can be criticized uh about gamers and um and then again i'll ask like you know so then in the idea of this high visibility position that you're in do you feel a responsibility to present that healthy lifestyle and encourage others you know who might have found themselves in a similar position to you at a younger age to say you know there are there are there are options yeah uh, i mean i got a lot of positive messages that have changed people's lives just by losing weight which i feel like is pretty crazy mm-hmm. that i've been able to motivate people even though it wasn't ever my goal to really like be a role model or even though like i know pro players are seen as role models i think it was never really my goal to be like a role model for losing weight yeah like i think that's pretty crazy that i've actually managed to positively impact people's lives Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, we're going to reframe back over to um, Cloud9, the the success that you guys have had uh, internationally. Because I think what's very intriguing to me about this finals matchup is we have the dominant domestic team in Team Liquid versus the 
dominant international team from North America in cloud nine. Um, but how that doesn't track, like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense in most people's brains that the team that's better, you know, in North America somehow doesn't perform on the international stage. And then somehow you do. So first, I just want to understand why it is that you think cloud nine goes to international competition and on a regular basis has outperformed every other team in North America. If it happened once, I'd say it's coincidence. Now it's starting to feel like a trend. Yeah, I mean, I obviously was only here for Cloud9 one of those times at Worlds, so I can just speak from my own experiences that I think coming into Worlds, we kind of realized that we were worse than the other teams and we weren't ever really going to catch up. We didn't have enough time to like improve the things we needed to improve to be better than the other teams. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of found a play style that we knew how to play and it was just going a very aggressive play style, yep. which I think just... You don't really need to be as smart at the game. You don't really need to have as much synergy. You just kind of need to take any opportunity that the enemy team presents you and just go aggressive and like try to kill the enemy team, right? So I think a lot of times, at least the last two times I went up against TL in the playoffs, like we got 0-3-0-3 both times. I think there was too many nerves and I think we were trying to be too smart. We were trying to be the better team. And I think... So you think that, that the losses domestically in the playoffs were more a result of you guys moving away from this identity of aggression and trying to match the better team. I think for sure that if we just play like at Worlds, like we should be able to beat TL. That's what you would think. So, I mean, obviously we'll see this weekend. <laughs> yes, we will very much see that this, uh, this weekend. Um, one of the things I, I, I've had an opportunity to talk to Doublelift, um, and it's it's kind of along this idea of play styles and um, success on the international stage. Uh, we were kind of tracking the evolution of the of the game um, from the season two, season three, season four, season five eras of uh, TPA and then Korean teams, just just pure dominance, and it was all about emulating that style. Even if you were from another region, it was how does SKT play the game? try and play the game that way. Uh, in more recent years, it feels like uh, the understanding or the development around thinking um, for League of Legends strategy is that it is more about your singular uh, identity um, and that there isn't necessarily a best way to play League of Legends for the world, but there are best ways to play League of Legends for specific teams. Do you feel like Cloud9 has a good understanding uh, You know, this year over last year of 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 what kind of a team you are, who you are as a team? Uh, yeah, I think right now we kind of gel well together and we realize what's strong and how to win a game. I think going into the, the last year's playoffs against TL, we kind of forgot how to win a game during mm -hmm. that last week, even though we had a good performance against TSM. Then the practice leading up to TL were just so bad that we kind of like just tilted ourselves. So I feel like having good practice I don't know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like, sometimes you get too cocky. Sometimes, like, uh, you get shit on and mm -hmm. you lose all your confidence. So, I don't know, it's really hard to find that balance where, like, you know scrims don't really matter too much, but they also do matter for your confidence. So, yeah. I think having a clear understanding of how to win the game is just, like, the key. All right. Well, you're going up against Team Liquid and trying to prevent them from doing what no other team has done in the past. That's going to take place on Sunday in Detroit, on the big stage. What's your call? Uh, 
I think it's gonna be a pretty close series. I think we know how to beat TL. We've kind of studied them the whole year. Are you year. gonna three zero them like they've three zero you? I think it's gonna be a three one. A three one for us. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. You you had a you had a little bit of an opportunity to watch the 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 clutch series that that happened today. I would say if TL plays like they did against Clutch, then you three zero. Then it might be a three zero for okay. us. Uh, do you feel like? The way that the teams were being compared today on broadcast is that C9 is a better version of of Clutch to some degree stylistically. Both teams willing to be aggressive. Not one-to-one comparisons uh, or not exact comparisons. And that TL is a better version of CLG. A you know slower, a little more controlled, bot pressure team um, uh, that you guys beat. Uh, do, do you read into that at all? Do you feel like uh, in watching Clutch take two games that that there might be things you could actually identify within those wins to say that's a way to beat TL that we hadn't seen before or thought of? Uh, I mean, I think CLG and Clutch have their own strengths, and I think we also have our own strengths. And I think if uh, Jensen doesn't <laughs> perform that well, like this games against uh, Clutch, I think he had some good games, but also he was the reason why they were losing. So. Mm-hmm. I think me and Niski will definitely be able to uh, punish Jensen if he plays like that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, Spencer, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, best of luck next week in the finals. Thank you. For all of you out there, be sure to tune in on Sunday to see if Team Liquid can get their fourth straight title, or will Cloud9 finally bring it home again? Check it out at lollysports.com. See you then.